So I saw Jordan go out, and he's actually part of my sermon today, so we might have to wing this a little bit. So let's see. That's okay. He's busy doing his Jordan thing, which is what we were going to talk about today. So we're still going to do that. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we started this Ephesians 4 Walking It Out series, uh, I did this. I sat down on the edge of the platform like this and I changed my shoes. Anybody remember why I put on running shoes? Walk it off. What do we mean by that? What's it mean to walk it off? Walk out the kingdom of God, sure, yeah. Anybody else? What's it mean to walk it off? Get over it, okay. Get rid of heavy metal, yeah. Get rid of the chains, yeah, yeah. When I talked about that and I put the shoes on, I mentioned that Ephesians, you know, starts with Ephesians chapter 4 saying, um, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called. Where he basically says, you know, walk the way. Walk, walk into the life that Christ has given us. And then a little later on it says, don't walk any longer like the Gentiles walk. Right? In the foolishness of their minds. Their lives have no purpose. They, their, their lives are empty. And because their lives are empty of any kind of real significance, they fill their lives with all kinds of stuff that doesn't really help them. And we had these, this image of walk this way and no longer walk that way. And the thing about walking, walking is a, is a wonderful metaphor through all of Scripture. Abraham walked with God. Enoch walked with God. This idea of walking with God is a beautiful picture. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to do that right now. But the thing about the walking is that it, tip, it, it indicates direction, intentionality, and habit. Intention, directionality, or intention, direction, and habit, right? In other words, it says we're, we're, we're living our life where we're going a certain direction. We're intentional about the direction of our lives, and we're habitual in it. We, we're doing it every single day. And when we talk about who we are as the people of God, Ephesians chapter, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and we talk about the, the, the identity we've been given in Christ, the idea of walking it out is saying every single day, move in that direction, be intentional, and make it your habit. To live the life that God has called you to live. And what we did in the last week and this week and next week is we said, rather than do a lot of preaching about that, what we want to do is talk about some real practical ways that we do that and look at some real concrete examples. So last week, we had Andrew Hodgson come up and talk about how he's just trying to live his life like Jesus. Or couldn't, couldn't more of us say that? That every single day when he goes to work, whatever he's doing, he's just trying to live like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. And that's a beautiful picture for, for every single one of us. And so today, hopefully, we're going to hear from Jordan Wilson. Uh, and if not, then Angelica will come up and stand in for him. <laughs> just putting you on alert there, Angie. <clears throat> um, Actually, you know what, let's do, I know, I think if I've read the, the room correctly, I think there's some kind of a medical situation that George's been called out to attend to. Is that correct? Yeah? So let's just take a moment to pray for whatever is going on there. He's a paramedic, by the way, so, so between him and the Holy Spirit, whoever's out there is in really good hands. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we want to pray for our brother or our sister. I don't know who it is who is in medical distress. And I thank you that George was here. 
Father, even if he doesn't get up here to tell his story, he's living it out right now, right in front of us. Uh, using the gifts, the skill, the training that you've given him to help people who are in need and doing it because he loves you and he loves them. I do hope, Father, that uh, he'll be able to come and tell his story because I think it's, it's remarkable uh, and it's so good for us to hear. But if not, if you have other needs for him right now, then we just pray um, you be with him. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give um, your added power to his skills and to his training. Give him wisdom. Give him grace. And whoever, Lord, is hurting out there and in need, would you be with them as well? Would you be their comfort? Would you be their healer? Would you help the help? Would you cause the help that they need to come quickly so that they could be looked after? Lord, we lift up this situation to you, knowing that just as you are here with us, you are there with them. And we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, not yet, not yet. No, no, sit down, not yet. Thanks, Jordan. Way to go. Answered prayer. Woo! God is so good. Sorry, I, I got to do that. I got to do the introduction part first. So, um, so what I wanted to do before I brought Jordan up is I wanted to just draw our attention to the example of Philip. I've often used this when we talk about discipleship. I've, you know, when I've met, been at staff meetings or and I talk, I get a chance to talk about what 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 do we mean by discipleship. Uh, at our church, I, I look at the example of Philip, and I say, here's a great example. You'll find it in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 8. And we probably all know the story, because Philip was one of the seven. He's one of the seven that were chosen, you know, when the disciples needed to have more help in the church. And so they chose the seven. And the thing I love about the choosing of the seven is their qualifications. Do you remember? When the apostles said to the church, they said, okay, you're going to find some people who are going to look after the tabling, like looking after meeting the needs of the congregation. And it said this, it said, go find seven people who are what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, right? To look after tables. And so we already know that Philip is one of those individuals who, according to the rest of the church, they knew to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he was chosen to be one of the seven. Now, in, in probably the classic example of the church not getting it right, Jesus had said to his disciples, you know, you're going to go into all the world. And they hunkered down in Jerusalem. And they, they kind of stayed in Jerusalem. And so finally, God had to kind of bring heat to the situation in Jerusalem to get them to scatter. And so persecution broke out. And, the, and the, everybody scattered, except for the apostles. But everybody, and I'm not going to comment on that, but everybody scattered including Philip. And Philip goes to a place called Samaria, right? And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8. And you know this because it says that everywhere the disciples went, everywhere they preached Jesus, they brought the kingdom. So despite being scattered, despite being driven out into different places, everywhere they go. And so the, the desired effect that God wanted happened. The kingdom spread. People went out and they took it to all new different kinds of places and the world began to be evangelized through the church. And in Acts chapter, chapters 8 through 26, we have the story of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. And you'll know this. It says, uh, he, 
Um, in verse, uh, let's see, 26. I've got my eye to find. Oh, here it is. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And the first thing I want us to understand is that God was able to speak to Philip in such a way that Philip could understand it. It uses the, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord here. And then later it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to him. And the point is, is that Philip was dialed in. He was tuned in. God could direct him. God could speak to him. He could discern what God was saying. And then he acted in obedience to the thing that God was saying. So he goes to the place that he's supposed to go. He sees the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury. Um, he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he's in his chariot, and the Spirit says to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So further instruction, and he goes. He identifies where God is working. He, he allows the Holy Spirit to show him who he is already preparing and working with, and then Philip moves in obedience to that person. And Philip goes, and he runs up, and he observes the situation. He sees what's going on. The eunuch is reading in the prophet Isaiah. There's providence right there. The Holy Spirit is clearly working in the eunuch's life and bringing him along. And Philip reads the situation, discerns what God is doing, and then he knows exactly what he needs to do. The eunuch was reading in the passage of Isaiah, and the eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet uh, talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And they traveled along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. I use that as an example because I think it's just a great example of what it is for every one of us to be disciples, to be to be listening to the Holy Spirit, to be willing to be scattered. When we scatter from this place, that's when the work begins. That's when the kingdom begins to be spread. And to go into those places and to pay attention to what God is doing and who God is working with and go and join ourselves to those situations and then do the thing that needs to be done to help bring the kingdom. We can all do that. We can all do that. Jordan, come on up. This is Jordan Wilson, everybody. Give him a round of applause. <clears throat> and I've invited Jordan because uh, I know a little bit about his story, and I thought that's a good time for us to kind of hear more about him because there's two things about Jordan that, that make him uh, a good example for someone to be up here in front of us sharing his story. One is that if you know Jordan at all, you know that he's a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the other thing is that he's someone who's living this out. And uh, so I think it makes him ultimately qualified to be able to share his story with us. So thanks, Jordan. Thanks you for coming up and being willing to do that. So tell us about what you do and how you view your job as an expression of the kingdom. Um, I'm a paramedic, actually, in the region. I've been doing it for about eight years now. And it's, it's become something that's such a practical way in terms of like, viewing who Jesus was and his disciples and, and giving to the people that were around them in terms of healing the sick, caring for those in need. Um, and I think it's just a, a very easy, hands-on way to look at kind of what I do because I'm called to people that are in need. And it's, it's something that I feel very blessed and honored to be doing because um, I'm 
in their homes, I'm in mean, their experience, that typically is a very low point in their life. It could be something where they're just calling out for help. It could be a very lonely person. It could be someone that's extremely sick. And I think it's, um, again, like I feel blessed to be there because not many people can be in that situation where people are actually asking for it. They might not know exactly what they're asking for, but they're asking for help. They're at their last straw, they're at their last edge, or they just don't know how to navigate a system or a need for help. So I think it's, it's a place that I, um, yeah, I feel, I feel blessed to be in and know that, um, that I can be a light potentially to so there's a need. Okay, good, thanks. How do you prepare yourself as a Christ follower for what you do? Something that I've learned more over the last couple of years actually in my profession, but um, something that's been on my heart is to be able to pray and pray with a lot of patients and people that I come in contact with, whether it be partners or inpatients. A lot of times I'm unable to do that just in terms of the nature of the job, but something I do prepare um, morning or whatever my shift is, uh, I take that time, especially on my commute, to lift up whoever I'm going to come in contact with today. Uh, prayer has become a big part of my life in the last couple of years, and that's something I just try to honor that time and that presence that I have with God, even in that commute to work, to be whatever situation I'm in, whoever I'm in contact with, or be... May I have a conversation? May I show your light? May I show your love in, in any way that the person needs? Okay. So one of the things that's interesting about your job is we've looked at Philip's example or we've looked at Andrew where, you know, he'll kind of be able to use words and speak, you know, uh, the kingdom into, into situations. But as a public servant, you're not always allowed to do that. So what are some, what are some of the ways that you bring your faith actively into circumstances when you're not allowed to use words? Part of that is the prayer ahead of time, but I think that example of love that Jesus gave us, I, I want to be as present as possible. It's something that I've prayed for myself to be able to, to see other people the way God sees them, because there's also a lot of uh, different mental health issues, different domestic things that I come across with. Um, people that I'm helping, it's not necessarily the first person you want to run to help. Um, mm -hmm. Something I've, I've prayed for is to have that mind to love them and see them as God sees them, and everyone does have a story. Um, so yeah, being being present and listening to whatever it is that they need, whatever it is that they're is they're experiencing, to be someone that can show love to them, because there's a lot of people in in our in our lives. I count myself blessed to be part of a community and a family that I uh, was raised loved, but there are so many people that don't have that, that don't have any sort of outlet, and just just to be present in that moment with that person and and show God's love in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so what encouragement might you give to the rest of us just in terms of things that you've learned or, or how you've seen God work through your commitment to kind of live out uh, your faith in that way? How, how would you encourage the rest of us? Um, kind of in my own story, it's as I've grown, I've grown more hungry and I've asked God for more. And with that, he's given that. Um, it can be scary sometimes, but although like... I've prayed for experience. I've prayed for times to be able to pray with people and have open communication. And um, and the more I've prayed for that, the more it's it's been happening. And it, it's it's been uncomfortable at times, but it's also stretching for me. Um, but honestly, if if we're asking with a willing heart, God wants to give us more, and God wants to use us to spread His word. Um, and I've had times where, specifically with patients, just being present with them in that moment, being with them for a time. I've had patients actually ask me to pray for them. And nothing came up, nothing that even would have led to that way, but I've had patients with, uh, you know, just one, one example was we actually got a call for someone with actual demon possession. Um, that was our call details. So typically anyone in our line of work would laugh that off and mm -hmm. um, 
very different going to it for myself, but coming in the back in the ambulance one-on-one -on -one with this person who's not making any sense, who's having a complete psychotic episode, and then just stopping, grabbing my leg, saying, you need to pray for me right now. Um, it's very obvious that that's from God, and from that, um, being able to pray with that person out loud, completely different person immediately after. Like, I'm talking to a completely different person, voice sounds different, acts different, um, but it's just very, I've been asking for that, I've been asking for ways that I can, one, be vocal, um, but another way is even just looking at the example of Christ, his, his cloth, his robe is something that also healed people. Yeah. It wasn't just the praying for it, because he also commanded it, but even just people touching that. So I've, I've had my uniform prayed over, um, and people praying over in that sense, over hands, and you like, I just, I want to show that love, I want to bring healing, I want to um, be that light to people that I come across, and there's, there's many different ways that we can ask God, and I think he's very honoring in that. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Give him a round of applause. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. I love that as you were, as you were kind of talking at the end there, and, and uh, I know that if we had time, we could keep asking you for more, that more and more examples of things would come out. And uh, that's the thing that I wanted to kind of, kind of draw out, right, is, is that idea of being the presence of God in our workplaces and in our situations and in our schools um, and, and to not undervalue that, that is hugely important, hugely valuable. That when we prayerfully and intentionally um, come into any situation as, you know, the, the hands and feet of Jesus, then we can see some, we can see God do some amazing things in those situations and, and, and we, never, we never know what to do. Um, we wanted to talk about... Um, uh, the idea of communicating and, and, and speaking the reality of the kingdom. In discipleship, when, when he sends the disciples out, he says, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. And so we've said, it's not enough to go out and just do good works. You have to also tie it to the reality of why you are who you are and what you're doing. And that is the presence, the inbreaking of this restorative, life-changing kingdom that Jesus brings. And we can't always use words. And you know, one of the passages of Scripture that we most often use to refer to Jesus incarnate as the Son of God is John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that word for word is the Greek word logos. And logos means the complete expression of God. The fullness of the expression of God. There's a part of that which is speech. But it's so much more than that. It is, it is his embodiment, the embodiment of his presence. And you know that when you and I go out as disciples of Jesus Christ, as ambassadors of the kingdom, we go out embodying the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit into those situations. And the fullness of Christ is with us. And the same power that raised him from the dead is at work in us. That's who we are. That's who we want to become as a people. I want to leave you with this quote from Tozer in his book, again, on the mystery of the Holy Spirit, because I think there's a couple of things he says that are, are, are really worthwhile. He says, if we're going to reproduce Christ on earth and be Christ-like, we're going to have to have the Spirit of Christ. And remember Ephesians chapter 5, what is the end of discipleship? To live a life of love as Christ lived 
and loved and gave himself for us. To live a life like Christ in our world, a sacrificial life of love, that's the end of discipleship. And Tozer says, if we're going to do that, if we're going to be imitators of Christ, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be the children of God, we're going to need the Spirit of the Father to breathe in our hearts and breathe through us. And that's why we must have the Holy Spirit. That is why the church must have the Spirit of Christ. For the church is called to live above her own ability, made for more, not, no longer merely human, now wholly human. Is it beginning to make sense? Are we beginning to hear it? This is not about you and I going out trying to do more in our own efforts. It's about you and I being dialed into God through the Holy Spirit so that when we go out, we can pay attention to what he's doing and we can join him and participate in what he's doing and we can see some kingdom results. She, the church, is called to live up so high that no human being can live like that. The humblest Christian is called to live a life of miracles. Isn't that good? A moral and spiritual life of such intensity and purity that no human being can do it. Only Jesus can do it. Therefore, he wants his people to have the Holy Spirit. Who are we? We're the people of God. We are the children of God, disciples of Jesus Christ. Not merely human, wholly human. Filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Sent into the world as ambassadors of Christ to advance this kingdom of love by grace. If you want to become that, if you want more of that, stick around. Because that's where we're going. Amen.